Sandy Hook School Tragedy, I made it my mission to help protect every school and every student every day. Each week, here on The Sound Off, we'll explore the biggest issues affecting school communities from health, security, crisis prevention, and so much more. You'll hear from today's leading school safety experts to share their experiences, knowledge, and inspiration. Welcome to The Sound Off on School Safety with me, Michelle Gay, presented by Entrato. We give people uh, the appropriate information, maximizing the chances that they actually get it by communicating it in the right ways. And sometimes these are cases where seconds matter. Seconds will make the difference between saving lives. That's our goal through the solutions that we deliver. So the same thing applies in education. Hello, everyone. This school year has brought forward a lot of unique challenges, from the ongoing pandemic to continuing physical safety, mental health, and school staffing. And yet we don't talk nearly enough about one of the keys to keep up with the fast and ever-changing landscape of school safety, communication. Today, we're speaking with Vic Krishnan, General Manager of Entrato Digital Workflows. He'll discuss why community engagement makes all the difference and how Intrado and Intrado School Messenger is bringing communications solutions to schools. Plus, what schools should prioritize following the Michigan shooting and how one district is changing policy with parents in mind. Let's dive right in. Well, we are joined today by Vic Krishnan, General Manager of Intrado Digital Workflows. And uh, through that, the role of head of School Messenger, which um, we've worked with School Messenger many, many on many occasions over the years. Um, and, and this year, so excited to work with Intrado School Messenger on this podcast and, and therefore host you, connect with you. Thank you so much for joining us, Vic. Thank you for having me, Michelle. That's awesome. So we were chatting a little bit before starting. It's uh, it's great to connect with someone who's back in Boston. Miss my Boston peeps, and and uh, so we're especially glad to have you on here, joining us from Boston. Glad to be here. Awesome. Well, let's start. Let's just start with the sort of the history of um, of Intrado School Messenger and what brings us together. Sure. Uh, well, Toronto School Messenger is now a leader in uh, K-12 mostly, but also private school and higher ed school communications in North America, U.S. and Canada specifically. Uh, you know, we serve over 10,000 school districts in North America, and through that, over 60,000 schools. I think we estimated in the U.S. we touch about 30 million of approximately 50 million K-12 students, so a significant reach. Uh, we've been in the business for 20 years, so it's taken decades to build that scale uh, of presence in school communications. But one thing that our uh, education customers are learning from us is the history of Entrado uh, in safety, public safety specifically as well. We have over four decades of experience in public safety, and through that position, you know, we essentially serve over 90% of 911 calls uh, will be served in North America through Entrado Infrastructure, we serve uh, 6,000 PSAPs, 911 call centers. Uh, we actually operate our own 911 call center in Colorado as well. Um, I close this out by saying in education, uh, as far as I am aware, we are the only solution provider that provides a full continuum of both communication and safety solutions to uh, the education uh, market. You know, I think that's an important point to uh, to sit with for a minute because um, you know 
the work that we're doing in in school safety and and really helping to support schools in in standing up solid um, programs and preparations for school safety really is just taking um, school safety into public safety. We're bringing you know the principles of public safety into the schoolhouse, and um, so it it's it's not surprising that um, so much of your support and your success in supporting schools is is really bringing that mentality and that experience into the schoolhouse. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, thank you. So, you know, when we talk safety at Safe and Sound Schools, it's all about this comprehensive approach of ours. Uh, we talk about, you know, ensuring that there's mental, mental and behavioral health supports, health and wellness supports, physical safety and security, which encompasses some communication, obviously emergency operations, day-to-day operations. That's kind of solidly where, where you're serving a lot of our schools, as well as leadership and, and certainly culture and community. And I think a lot of the work that we do um, you know, overlaps and, and brings you into some of those areas. What are some of the key areas that you find yourself as you know, as school messenger has now become Intrado school messenger, as the you know the work has expanded, um, what are the categories in school safety where you find yourself really focusing mostly? Yeah, I'll I'll break that into two areas, and I'll try not to make this a long-winded answer. But I would consider three theaters of communications and alert management important. There's off-premise, right? Communicating with the community. You know, there could be parents that are at home or at work and they need to be in the know. There's on-premise communications and alerts as well. And then there's the bridge of communications during an incident that needs to occur uh, and be informed by what's happening on-premise and be getting to a 911 call center and first responder. So those are the theaters. But we also think about uh, how we need to serve the market through the phases of what can happen before, during, and after an incident. And we think about that in approximately six phases. There's well before you know, something unfortunate happens, when there are risk signs, there are reports that there's suspicious behavior or we need to look into something. We can think about that in a variety of ways, but we have a behavioral threat assessment tool, which we think is important and we're actively talking about with our, our customer base to, to digitize and professionalize the process of taking in you know, these types of warnings, chasing down what do we need to do to investigate those make sure we've documented and informed you know, the appropriate people involved. Uh, there are also certain incidents where uh, uh, prevention could occur with more effective visitor management. So we think about visitor management and helping to enforce who really should be on premise and who shouldn't be on premise. And we have tools for that. Uh, then there's the unfortunate period where an incident is happening. And I think we break that into three phases. There's incident start, right? So what is occurring to create the appropriate set of alerts and triggers, door locks, alarm bells, sirens. How is that getting started? How fast is it happening? Uh, is it occurring you know, in all of the modes that it could be? So for example, phones, digital signage, like how are we making sure that happens and the appropriate set of triggers with the appropriate set of information is happening based on what has started the trigger, right? So that's incident start. Then there is incident management. Okay, if this is now an incident where uh, first responders need to know and need to be informed, a 911 call center needs to be informed, we have solutions that 
transmit the maximum amount of appropriate information in real time to the 911 call center and they can inform first responders of things like here's the code for the door because you need to you need to get in there this zone is what you need to know about this zone is something else you need to know about uh, you know we have we have the pipe to do that uh, then there's reunification phase five and this is something i think we'll probably talk about more michelle um, and I don't want to single out any incident, but there are too many uh, there are too many cases where reunification information is being posted on Twitter, is being posted publicly, and that can't be how that happens. And through all of this, there needs to be effective communication with the community, right? Parents at 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 home or at work need to know what's happening. So we have solutions for all six phases of I guess what we call an incident. Uh, that work in all three of those theaters. Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, a lot of people don't realize we talk a ton about the importance of communication in terms of school safety before, during, and after a crisis. And I just, uh, you know, it's interesting to hear you break down each one of those sort of larger phases. Obviously, there are phases within those phases. Uh, but I think for people to understand, a lot of people are familiar with School Messenger. Um, I am just because of being a teacher and, and having School Messenger, you know, part of the school communities where I worked. But also, you know, we had School Messenger supporting our community in Newtown. And, um, you know, I at the time, kind of naively just thought of School Messenger as, as a as a parent consumer, right? Like that's how I get my, you know, updates on this sort of that, um, you know, that that off premise kind of communication that you were talking about that I think a lot of people think of when they think of um, of this type of communication, they think of you guys. Um, but there's just so much more and effective communication and effective tools underlie the success of everything we do in terms of school safety. So so it's a lot. I mean, and yeah. you just described like soup to nuts, the, the whole process and all of the tools that go with each and every one of those phases. So um, it's, it's pretty amazing to take in, kind of geeking out really, school safety <laughs> geek here. Um, but you talked about, um, you talked about on-premise communications when, you know, an emergency happens, what are some practical things that our school communities can do to just account for all persons, you know, make sure that everybody is where they're supposed to be, that we can communicate? Because this is something that every school community struggles with. We struggled with terribly, um, you know, on, on December 14th, 2012 in Newtown, just to be able to communicate to, to parents, to loved ones, um, where their child was, where their spouse was, um, simply accounting for all persons. I think a lot of people think, oh, you just need a pen and a clipboard and, you know, yeah. you, you take attendance, but it's just so much more complicated in crisis. Yeah, no, that's a very good question. And um, I think there are really two steps to it. One is making sure that the people that we need to care for are informed, and the other, of course, is also accounting for them. Um, there are a couple of situations here. You know, one is let's call it an incident that may not rise to the level of an actual emergency that involves first responders and then unfortunately other incidents that do rise to that level. For ones that don't, uh, you know, we have a solution called the Trotter Revolution. It works in both situations, but I'll tell you how it works um, in a situation where, look, thankfully we don't need to call the police. We don't need to call first responders. Maybe it's uh, informing people about the weather. Well, this is more about informing those people that we care about and need to protect 
about what's actually happening and how do you inform them. You can inform them on their phone, but you can also inform them by, in an accurate and timely way, displaying the right sounds on sirens, the right messages on signage. Uh, we can have a siren going off on the football field, right? Because sometimes when you trigger an alert, it works in one part of the building, but it's not working in every part of the actual uh, school premises. So we need to get that right. We need to make sure that the cafeteria school bell is displaying the same information as somebody sitting at a desk in an actual classroom. And like, as I mentioned, there are mobile tools as well. So sending those messages and informing uh, appropriate, the appropriate people at the right time is essential. Then if there is an actual incident that's happening that rises to that level of an emergency, this is where we need to actually think about tracking of people, informing first responders in a secure and appropriate way where people are, informing those people where they should be going and where they should avoid controlling things like door locks, right? So we have solutions that can actually zone uh, a school during an incident and make sure that the back doors where we want people to go are unlocked. And unfortunately, where there may be more of a threat, that zone is actually locked, right? So we need to be able to guide people, inform them, guide them, and then of course, track them. So we have tools during an incident where we can be uh, uh, informing people and toggling them on their phone, prompting them to say, you know, where are you? Are you okay? And you know, check in every five minutes. So inform them, but also guide them where we need to go. Um, and then through that geofence, right? So the school as a customer would be geofenced. We know where people are in that zone. We're informing them, we're tracking them. And we're also informing first responders and we're making sure that that information only goes to the right people and is not publicly posted you know, on Twitter or some social media channel. Um, it is complex and I'm not probably doing justice to what can actually happen during a variety of incidents, but I would say that you know, we, have, uh, we have ways of, of automating these and managing these types of incidents and every incident can be different, but those general features need to be involved in a situation like this. Yeah, you know, you mentioned just, just communicating in the crisis to the people in the building and on the campus and how critically important we, we struggled uh, with that in our, at the end of the day, it was our custodian running around um, shouting to people to tell them what, yeah. what was going on. And that um, saved, I'm certain, hundreds of lives, but he needed to risk his life in order to do so. You know, so we, we want to be able to communicate to people in all corners and closets of the building during a crisis what's going on what please don't be coming out to investigate what that sound is you know you need to be taking cover you need to be taking appropriate actions for whatever the crisis is and just keeping people informed through the crisis we know how that can mitigate some of the trauma effect and impact you know just Every second that we can reduce where someone is in fear for their life um, or, or doesn't feel empowered with information, um, that that matters. That that matters to to communities. Um, and, and so that that on premise piece, that um, that communication, and just managing um, all of the different complexities, um, the zones that you described, so very critically important, and so much more. I think than than people realize. I think a lot of people yeah. think, oh, you know, if there's a crisis, we'll just we'll hop on the PA. Or will you know sound the fire the fire alarm and that's just not enough. That's that's not enough to to provide people the information that they need to be empowered, and uh, and to feel psychologically safe as as psychologically safe as possible during a crisis. Yeah. 
But there are many types of crises that our school communities face, right? I think, um, you know, in the wake of, of several uh, just heartbreaking tragedies uh, this school year related to school violence, um, I think we're, we're all reeling. We knew this was going to be a very difficult year in yeah. our school communities. Um, but there are other types of crises that our schools are facing on a far more regular basis. And uh, communication is at the heart of those. Some of those are natural disasters that occur. Um, and it seems with increasing frequency, perhaps because of, of you know, our changing climate and, and all sorts of other factors. But what are some things, you know, in terms of natural disasters that you guide um, your, you know, school communities through in terms of preparation and, and um, you know, what kinds of solutions do they need to support safety in these types of crises at a school? Yeah, when we think about a natural disaster, I'd actually like to lead with a specific example. And I won't single out uh, uh, any school in this example. I'll actually single out uh, a government. So we actually also serve um, regions and governments, not just schools. I, I didn't mention that. But uh, back in September, our, our safety solutions, our revolution solution, which I mentioned, um, for background, it's actually deployed in the Mexico City region in Mexico. Uh, there was an earthquake in Acapulco. It shook hundreds of, I mean, the whole region hundreds of miles away from Mexico City. We knew that happened. Revolution collected that information. It informed people in Mexico City of exactly what was happening and, and what to expect, that the quake will hit here. This is what you need to do. This is where you need to go. This is what you need to avoid doing, where you need to avoid being. Uh, and this is actually something I can publicly talk about because Mexico City publicly talked about it. This has been picked up by the media. There's an article in the New York Times from September on this. Uh, we saved lives. We saved many lives through that process. There's an actual quote from the New York Times. The Capitals earthquake warning system and Toronto Revolution appear to have functioned effectively with speakers across the city issuing a loud siren and a spoken warning of the quake several seconds before it actually happened, prompting many to rush outside to the appropriate areas to stay safe. That's exactly what happens in a K-12 school or any type of school, higher ed institution as well. We give people uh, the appropriate information, maximizing the chances that they actually get it by communicating it in the right ways. And sometimes these are cases where seconds matter. Seconds will make the difference between saving lives. That's our goal through the solutions that we deliver. So the same thing applies in education. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we do a ton at Safe and Sound Schools of training and education, just trying to empower people so that they know what actions they can take during a crisis. But if we're not able to communicate with them when it matters, um, you know, all, all of that work is is far, unfortunately, less less effective and uh, less helpful in keeping people safe. But there's a lot of activity, thankfully, in the space of school safety. You know, over the almost nine years now that um, that I've been in in this space working on school safety. We've seen a, a tremendous amount of energy and um, and 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 really leadership in in school safety now to the point where many of our schools, uh, many of our states are proposing specific state level legislation for school safety. And um, this is good. You know, this is a positive sign. We've all been working very hard um, to get to this point. However, 
um, I, a lot of us are a little concerned about how how school are schools ready for this, right? Do do they know what's coming down the pike, and um, are are they able to to consider some of the requirements that may be put in place legislatively? Yeah, so we're very supportive of that type of action being taken as well. You know, we certainly think some action is, is better than none, and this shouldn't all be uh, uh, driven by schools or even driven by solution providers like us communicating, but we, you know, we like to see government action at the state level. So as you're very aware, there's legislation like Alyssa's law, which is already in effect in Florida, similar law in New Jersey, those types of laws require a panic button. And Texas is considering a law like that as well. Pretty much every state is talking about a law like that. Um, many of these pieces of legislation require that the school actually gets sign off from their local public safety answering point, their 911 call center, before they can actually uh, comply with the law and get state uh, appropriated funding to comply with the requirements. And I would say that some of these things are new for schools, right? We we know, I mean, I can tell you, representing this, this number of school districts, that our customers are busy, they're overworked, they do a lot, you know, for our students, our parents, and for our country in Canada as well. And uh, I really think that what I would say here is there's an advantage in having to now deal with this. Okay, now we have, we, we want to solve this problem. Now there are some specific requirements around solving the problem. There's an advantage to working with a company like Entrada, which has such a long history in both serving the education market, but then also serving the public safety market. And we understand the requirements very well. We have the relationships both on, both on the safety side and the education side to help schools navigate, to really share the work that, that they're not facing to solve these issues. So uh, short answer is there's going to be, be a lot of discovery involved here, but yes. a partner like Entrado can help. Yes. You know, I've in conversations with Alyssa's mom, Lori, I mean, it's just it's amazing the work that um, that they've that they've done, that they've accomplished. This is a real turning point, I think, in terms of that bridging of public safety and school safety. Um, so it's it's an important moment, um, but there's a lot to it. Right. It's not it's not literally as simple as installing a panic button and teaching everybody to press it. There are so there are so many things to consider. So it's important to know your resources. Um, it's great to know that you're out there to support so many of our schools. Let's talk about recent school safety threats. Um, you know, there, there are a lot, unfortunately, to choose from. As I, I said earlier, yeah. this is a complicated year. Um, and we knew uh, going into it that this was going to be very challenging and, um, and unfortunately uh, heartbreaking as well at times. Um, but one of the challenges that uh, a lot of our schools are struggling with are these TikTok challenges. Um, they are, you know, my kids love TikTok, right? Everybody loves TikTok. Um, <laughs> but boy, um, you know, our schools are really challenged by some by challenged by some of these challenges. Um, so as we see some of these challenges emerging in schools and, and many of them you're serving, how are how are your schools, you know, dealing with this trend? Um, how what are some of the things you know, you mentioned discovery. What are what are we discovering about how we can stop, prevent, mitigate um, some of these uh, disastrous or dangerous trends? Yeah. So I'll be the first to say when there are no easy answers, and I'll also be the first to say, well, I will actually, this one I'm not the first to say, I'll just say it. 
social media is here to stay and it is creating new challenges for us in a variety of, uh, of areas. Um, and it's great, right? There are advantages the, to, to using it and you know, this is certainly one of the challenges. So, you know, we just did a webinar with Campus Safety, Safety Magazine where we discussed this exact topic. We actually had over 1,200 school safety professionals attend that event. Um, one of our customers, a K-12 safety director, whose district has really been dealing with this issue, and this has been top of mind for them and probably at many school districts as well, to your point, really talked about how schools and districts can both prepare for and respond for challenges like this, and who to actually reach out to in various social media outlets for assistance. Um, beyond that, you know, we did talk about ways that districts can work with, with, with kids, with their communities, uh, and parents to prevent these kinds of dangerous acts. But I would say, again, there's no easy answer. A lot of what we're finding in terms of the types of solutions that work really involve getting front of the issue, not being afraid to talk about it, communicating with students and parents about the dangers and what they need to understand, what the consequences are of these actions, and that those consequences can be both, well, in terms of self-harm and harm, but then also legal uh, and financial. So uh, a lot of it is related to planning, preparation, and communication. But honestly, Michelle, no easy answers. We are continuing to learn how to manage these types of things. No, I would agree 100%. But I like what you said about getting in front of it. Uh, you know, as much as we can, be educating our communities, be leveraging those communication systems that we have with students, with parents, with the community at large to, to just help to, uh, to stave off, you know, some of these dangerous challenges. Um, you know, we got to talk about COVID. Um, yeah. Another thing, sadly, that is for now, you know, here to stay. Um, but this new variant and, you know, there are going to be more variants, I'm sure, that we're that we're faced with and and um, and challenged by. But this new variant has certainly set off alarm ball, alarm bells uh, far and wide in our school communities because we I think we had a sense nationwide just from working with as many school communities as we do that, OK, we've we've kind of got we've got a system in place. This isn't perfect, um, but we 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 sort of have you know we feel like we've got the ropes right we like we know how we're going to handle this this year at least from a health and wellness standpoint a public health standpoint but now it's like oh no right um how have you seen your schools the communities that you engage with um you know react and prepare for this kind of new reality we're still waiting for more information right yeah. but we but this is not the last variant that we're going to see so we're going to see you know these types of um waves of concern yeah i'll i'll give a personal anecdote as a parent and then kind of expand it to my view uh you know in my role running this business and of course every state every district has uh, a different approach a different set of rules but there are some similarities just in uh, uh taking my own twins to kindergarten you know, every day, uh, the amount of information that needs to flow, communication to us, communication back to the school, and, you know, it's mostly digital, it's attestations of what's happening. There's also, you know, physical responsibilities, like if, if our children demonstrate even minor cold symptoms, we've got to pull them out, get a COVID test, a test that we did that, the result was negative. But in any case, there is a burden here that, you know, digitally we can't solve, but a lot of it is digital. It's communication, it's information flow that's two-way, it's attesting that things have been done and sending that back. 
those are things that uh, we are already helping with uh, uh, with our customer base. But we've seen things like, like I mentioned, daily attestations that students are COVID-free, to things like temperature checks as students enter the school building. Uh, we've seen some districts choose to stay remote, and many that have gone back to in-person uh, full force. So there's a whole there's a whole spectrum of that. We've also seen many that continue to adopt uh, in-between options, so options for in-person and remote, uh, but those types of things can get costly. So we generally believe that everybody really wants to get back to in-person and they have to manage, therefore, the rules, the information flow, the attestations, and it is, uh, it's, a, it's an administrative burden, it's a communication burden. Um, but we have digital tools for that. So what I would say is that burden exists. And uh, it is very difficult to manage it manually or in paper-based ways or be chasing people with emails or asking for those emails to come back from parents. This is not going to work. So no, we need to do more for that. Talk, yeah, talk to a school nurse, you know. Yeah. Um, that's not going to work. So we've got, you know, we've got some general procedures in place, some some good public health procedures in place in our schools now, thankfully. Um, but you're absolutely right. They, they're only as good as the communication that we offer to support them. And it, in order to, to ensure that these are sustainable solutions, we really do have to provide our schools with the tools that they need to, to be able to support this this level of communication. That's the only way. Lots, lots to consider. Um, so many unexpected, you know, safety threats uh, appearing all the time. You know, if you had asked me a couple years ago, would we be in this position right now where we are in terms of health and wellness in schools? I could have never, I just could have never imagined. But how do, you know, it comes, it all comes down basically to emergency management, obviously an important part of public safety. So how do we help our schools uh, really wrap their heads around the fact that you know, we say it all the time at Safe and Sound Schools. It's one of the cornerstones of school safety for us is emergency management, you know, day-to-day -day operations. They kind of fall in that same bucket, but not a lot of schools are are, are fully embracing that reality. So how do we help? Yeah, uh, again, no easy answer, but I'll give, I'll give at least one example that's top of mind. Uh, I'll start that with just saying among our customer base, those who have been most successful are the ones who take a comprehensive approach. They think about this. They plan all the way from threat assessment, you know, that early phase I mentioned uh, a bit earlier on, to how you actually manage an incident and after that. Um, and I don't keep, I don't mean to keep giving endless plugs for the webinars that we do, but we did recently do a webinar with one of our customers, Adams 12 Five Star Schools in Colorado. They are uh, phenomenal. Yeah, they yeah. have, they have emergency management to a science i mean they are they yeah. they create so many amazing processes that uh that really guide a lot of a lot of schools so that's we, cool we, that you're we, working we with love them. them we love working with them they are ahead of the curve um and actually one of their emergency management professionals on that webinar joined us to talk about why uh, they're using some of the tools that they use uh, uh from us but it doesn't matter where they come from they just uh, I would urge school, schools to, to do something similar to what Adams 12 has been doing. But just to give some background, uh, their schools span a large area, right? They're actually located in five different municipalities. So, you know, think about that. It's complicated. They're served by six different police departments. I think, you know, you probably know this, five fire districts, four different 911 call centers. So imagine already how complex all of that gets. They've got a lot of touch points to manage when it comes to 
emergency management, planning, incident response, anything related to public safety. And it's important that the information flows in a timely manner, an accurate and consistent manner to the right parties at the right time. What they said was that they really appreciated what Entrada School Messenger is doing and that what we provided them in terms of integration to uh, public safety answering points, their own SIS systems have all enabled that and made it possible. Uh, in their after action reviews, uh, a very various safety incidents that they've experienced, they determined that the most common point of contention and challenge was consistent and accurate communication during a safety event, right? So our suite of safety solutions that School Messenger offers, that has allowed them and generally that allows any district that adopts it to easily communicate with all of the right people immediately at the right time so that they can keep everybody uh, informed, people that need to be on site and who are there and need to be informed, like we talked about earlier, informed appropriately, off-site as well, we talked about that theater of communications and the first responders, knowing the information they need to know in a timely manner. Um, so those are really, again, no easy answer, but it, it, it all comes back to having accurate, timely, easy, automated communications and information flows. So, uh, you know, we urge school districts who are planning this to uh, adopt a platform that, that does it. I'll say one more thing. In thinking about how all of this works, um, even before you think about emergency response, just looking at uh, how a K-12 schools district or, or any school district uh, uh, procures and manages its communications infrastructure, that's already disparate. So think about now adding on an emergency solution where a district is cobbling that together from two to three different vendors. It's going to make it very complex. Of course, you know, this is, this is our plug as in Toronto, but I would strongly urge, you know, school districts to work with one vendor who can unify all of this for them. Yeah, integration, just just key. And you're, you know, you use the word cobbled, and that is, um, that is a, that's a challenge on top of a challenge for a lot of our our schools. Um, fortunately, we are at a time right now where there is actual funding for our school communities yeah. to um, make some long needed uh, changes and um, add some tools to support the processes. Um, but you know. Because that had not been for so long, a lot of our schools really have had to sort of create this patchwork of various solutions and, you know, just cherry pick based on small pockets of, of funds that they were, you know, able to find here and there. So, yeah. Well, you know. One other thing, Michelle, I'd like to say about that that I may not have uh, um, emphasized is because of our, um, our position in public safety, because of the fact that we're so embedded in the 911 call centers, I talked about managing the flow of information, automating that and making sure that's accurate. But one thing I'd like to provide more detail on is how that information gets to the 911 call center. So because we serve these public safety answering points already, you think about somebody who's taking a call at a 911 call center, they have a terminal that's giving them information and the additional information that we are sharing about an unfortunate incident at a school is coming in exactly the same way as they already take in any other information. If a school district were to work with a vendor that does not have that history and depth of relationship with, with PSAPs, then the risk is that that information is coming in in another way, through a terminal at the other side of the room where the call taker has to actually know 
okay, I need to get up and walk over there and look at that to get the supplemental information. Those are the seconds and those are the, you know, the mistake prevention uh, methods that make all the difference. They truly do. Every second matters. Um, and, you know, I, I'm glad that you mentioned Adam's 12 five star because um, they are they have always been um, just cutting edge in terms of reunification specifically. Uh, and, and so a, a lot of what they have created uh, has been adopted nationwide in, in one you know form or another. Um, but let's talk, you know, because reunification is a very complex uh, part of this whole emergency management cycle for our schools. Let's talk a little bit about uh, support for reunification and some of the lessons learned. Um, you know, boy, we we personally have some very painful yeah. reunification lessons, but many of our school communities do too. Yeah. So, um, you know, this is uh, in in any topic like this, I, I I will never mention a particular school, even a particular state. I I, I want to be very sensitive to uh, the people involved and also the educators involved who are trying to manage these types of things. But we have seen examples. I think you know we're probably aware of some of them, and I mentioned this earlier, where during an incident, uh, the reunification information was published publicly online through social media, through tools like Twitter. And we've actually seen some of these things happening uh, when we actually are aware it's happening live. And yeah. I will tell you, my team and I are on the edge of our seat trying to figure yeah. out what we can do, how we can reach out. And these, sometimes these are not our customers. Um, but there was one unfortunate example recently where uh, the shooter um, saw that information just like everybody else did. And they actually drove, drove over to where the reunification site was announced. And they continued their shooting into the crowd to, you know, just cause more damage. I mean, it was just horrible. I have emotional talking about it. Yeah. But with with tools like Safety Shield, and you know, that's a tool that Adams Twelve was using, and they've been very helpful. This is really a partnership between us and them. I, I I wouldn't even position it as our solution. They've adopted it. They're at the forefront, and we've been working together with them on this. But through Safety Shield, schools have the ability to manage the emergency from start to finish. And that includes how to securely reach out to parents, for example, by using direct integration, the integration into communicate. So it's coming through the platform where only they can see it, right? Only the right people can see it and not the wrong people. Um, that's really where working with one vendor uh, makes that possible. We're already the tool in 60% of schools that is communicating to parents that's the channel to send this type of information through, right? A, a channel where nobody else who we don't want to see it would ever see that information. Um, so, I mean, that's that's a big part of how they're doing it and we're working together with them on it. But um, yeah, that's just a, a really uh, unfortunate way to handle reunification and it's preventable. You know, it is. It, um, you know, I think about the lessons that we learned um, with reunification and, and many of them just based on miscommunication, um, misinformation that that was, you know, shared on social and very quickly the reunification can become, you know, a crisis on top of a crisis. So it's really important that we're thinking through our processes um, and and protecting the information, that critical information. It's, you know, you that that case that you described is uh, is definitely a worst case scenario. Uh, but we see, unfortunately, custodial issues 
Um, there's a lot of vulnerability, a lot of risk there during a time like reunification that, you know, unauthorized persons are going to have critical information um, that they they can't have. We just can't allow that. So, so many things to, to consider there. Uh, you know, when I think about this reunification process and and the 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 level of planning that goes into it one of the things that a lot of parents ask for is they want to see the plan give me the plan yeah. right what's the plan where can i find it um and there's a, there's a lot to talk about there um but perhaps more practically the stakeholders of the immediate crisis, uh, the first responders, the school personnel, the district personnel that may come in to sort of supplant or, um, you know, to support the, the school-based team during a crisis, they need to know where the plan is. They need to have easy access to it. So let's talk a little bit about some solutions to make sure that that plan is readily available to them. It's current. It's up to date. They can put their fingers on it immediately. We're not sending, you know, an administrator into um, the middle of a crisis to run through the building and try to find that red binder and, you know, blow the dust off of it and, and all of that stuff. What What can we do there? What's going on? Yeah, we've definitely talked about the problem where information gets into wrong hands. It's also a problem where information is getting into no one's hands, right? So it is still very common. It's probably the most prevalent uh, uh, situation you'll find where an emergency plan is physically written in a binder and it's sitting somewhere collecting dust. Or there's that and then that sheet, as we all know, that's kind of pasted to next to every door in the school. Information isn't getting into the right hands. So... Part of it is that those emergency plans need to be digitized. That's available. I mean, we do that. And then that can be available to the right people at the right time. You know, again, if you're a customer of School Messenger, you can access that through, you know, our, our tools as a parent and access the appropriate information. So part of it is just having it digitized, having it available so people can review it, staff can review it, the people who are going to be on the front lines who have to actually manage something, unfortunately, if and when it happens. But then also parents can understand what the plan is. So I'll just I'll keep that one simple. It can be digitized. That's something we assist with. That information can be available to the right people. But part of that, uh, and I won't I won't you know have a long-winded explanation here. But I'll just say that does tie back into how an emergency is actually handled during an incident, right? Because we can make that easy through our tools, where our tools actually enable the plan to actually be acted out. Truly. Where you know, we're not asking people during an emergency to read the plan on their phone during an incident because it's digital, but we're running the plan, right? I mean, our Toronto our Safety Suite can actually run that plan during an incident, so nobody has to be reading a binder during during an incident. That's never going to work. No, we um, want so to take away. Yeah, we want to yeah. take away that that the thinking, right? We yeah. don't want people having to think their way through a crisis. Obviously, they are going to have to uh, in a lot of different ways. But as much as we can minimize that, I think it's it's critically important. As you're talking about this, I'm thinking of my very dear friend Frank DeAngelis, and he still has a picture of the you know pencil sketch he did on somebody's I don't know 
piece of paper that they pulled out of their pocket because first responders needed to know where, you know, where the shutoffs were for the, you know, the fire alarms that were blaring. They needed yeah. basic information about points of egress and all sorts of practical pieces. Um, and like you said, seconds matter. So important seconds were, you know, were taken away from the response, just trying to kind of go back in time and, and provide that that information. So as much as we can front load that, um, have it available, accessible, and protected, it's just so critically important. It's it's a basic of, of school safety. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So we've covered so many things. I think we could probably talk for another day. Um, uh, this is... <laughs> Certainly, a topic that um, that is fascinating to me um, and so many of our our listeners. So, lots that we've covered, lots that we've learned. Anything that we've that that you want to leave us with as we march our way through the rest of this school year? Yeah, all I would say is um, everything I've described today. Uh, I, I don't want to make it sound like it's easy to do all of this, but I can suggest ways to. Uh, decision makers in K-12 education, higher ed and private school education to make it easier. And one of those ways is to work with a single vendor who knows how to do this and can help you do this. And obviously in my position, I would suggest a vendor who knows education, already is, is essentially the trusted provider in education for communications and also the trusted provider for delivering public safety. Um, that's what's going to make this easier to, to do all the things I've talked about and hopefully keep uh, staff, students, safe. Well, we thank you for being a, a trusted partner in school safety and a partner to us at Safe and Sound Schools. Uh, you know, it's essential that we have that we have partners that help us in this mission, help us deliver education and training. And um, one thing I can say about school safety is it's a team sport. So we're, yeah. we're glad you're on our team and it was wonderful to spend some time together, visit and uh, talk about how we can how we can help, how we can make this better every single day. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Michelle, for having me. It was my pleasure. Awesome. Stay warm up there. <laughs> well, <Will> do. <Thank> you. <laughs> When it comes to school safety, our friends at Entrato School Messenger have school communities covered. They deliver advanced school safety solutions that lead to safer environments for our children. With over 40 years in public safety and more than 20 years in schools, Entrato School Messenger is uniquely positioned to serve your school safety needs. Entrato Safety Suite combines the most advanced emergency response management, on-campus notification, and parent communication tools together to create a 360-degree wall of protection against all kinds of school safety threats. To learn more, visit entrado.com slash safety suite for education, or check our show notes for the link. Now it's time for a segment we call The Sound Off, where we weigh in on some trending school safety stories. And today we're focusing on school communication. Officials in Oxford, Michigan say that on the day of the recent school shooting, school staff found a disturbing drawing by the suspected attacker, but did not communicate that to authorities. While the Oxford High School investigation is ongoing, school leaders and families across the country are now reevaluating safety vulnerabilities and what can be done on their campus to prevent crises like this. One thing is for certain, communication is key. And if we're going to have effective communication in our school communities, we need to set up 
processes we need to encourage and we need to educate the community on how they can do just that. So whether it's a low cost process of just teaching and training folks who to go to when something doesn't feel right or look right or when there's a concern or whether it's something a little bit more formal like a reporting app or some type of technology for anonymous reporting, we know that these types of interventions can make all the difference. And importantly, they engage everyone, whether you're a student, whether you're a parent, a teacher, um, a community member, or a school resource officer. The most important thing is that we are in this together and we are communicating our concerns, we are sharing information, and we are doing so to protect individuals and the community, keeping everybody safe and sound. Next, the Santa Rosa County School Board updates its policies twice a year, but this is the first time it's held a public workshop open to families. That's because school parents expressed that they wanted better communication during a series of recent town halls. Of the board's 14 school policy changes or additions, four directly include new language that expands or clarifies communication between teachers, parents, administrators, and the school district. One policy added language that focuses on developing ways for families to strengthen their involvement in their child's school life. Another update focuses on how schools may try to contact families should a crisis arise on campus. This is a wonderful example of schools walking the walk when it comes to school safety, really taking family feedback to shape school board policy and most importantly, school safety plans. Involving our parents is one of the most powerful things that we can do to improve upon the policies, the procedures, and the plans we have in place. It's another whole lens that we need to be looking at school safety through. It's another whole set of eyes that we can add to this collective work of improving school safety. And most importantly, it's critically it's critically important that we are including parents in decisions, involving them, and making sure that they are engaged and a part of this process. We encourage all of our listeners to check out the tools that we've created at Safe and Sound to encourage this process. One of them is Parents for Safer Schools. That's available on our website for free to all school communities. It comes with a lot of really wonderful ways to engage parents in the process of school safety. And while you're at it, check out Safe and Sound Students, a similar program that we've created to raise up our student leadership and involvement in the process of improving school safety. And now let's end with a look on the bright side. Before the pandemic, for many school communities, technology was seen by school leaders as part of the school safety problem. But once school systems shifted to remote learning and virtual instruction, tech became a lifeline. Shanita Burney of the District of Columbia Public Schools said, it allowed us to reach exponentially more families than I've ever reached in my career. That district saw a boost in attendance during parent meetings and parent-teacher conferences. Virtual options also provided more flexibility for working families. And D.C. isn't alone. In many places across the U.S., communication between schools and parents has become the silver lining during one of the most challenging periods in education. According to Edweek Research Center, more than three-quarters of educators said that parent-school communication increased during the pandemic. 
In addition to strengthening school safety, educators believe that this change will have a positive impact on school achievement. 79% of educators in the study who said that parent communications increased also said that they saw improvement on academic outcomes. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We'd like to thank our presenting sponsor, Entrato School Messenger, for supporting this podcast and our mission at Safe and Sound Schools. And thanks to each of you for joining and listening and supporting our mission as well. Until next time, everybody, stay safe. Stay safe and sound.